What's good, First Church? It's great to be here with you today. Today's a big day. I mean, church picnic tonight. I'm so excited about it. My uh, neighbors, RJ and Ashley, um, are the ones who, who do the fireworks, and uh, they do an awesome job every year. But he drove his lawnmower up to my house, which is just, that's how we do things in our subdivision. But he drove a zero turn up into my driveway and came, and he's like, hey, uh, Pastor John, I just want you to tell the churches, like, it's, it's going to be the best year ever this year. I mean, the fireworks are going to be bonkers. And I said, RJ, every year the fireworks are bonkers. I don't know. He goes, I got some stuff. You know, I got some stuff. I said, is it legal? He goes, so uh, anyway, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be all right uh, tonight. If you've never been to our church, um, pick a Nick, you know, you can you bring your own food, you know, B-Y-O-F. Um, but it is, it, it, it's a lot of fun. We've got, you know, like your face painters, we've got, you know, the caricature people there. Um, we just have so much fun. You know, you can play some Frisbee, run around, and then we do a worship set, and then we have a different message. And some of you are like, Pastor, I mean, I don't know if I can do a whole nother message. It's like eight minutes, okay? It's like this, it's like a summer message. It's not that, you know, it's, it's fine. It's like an outside, I've got my kids, and, you know, everybody's going crazy, and I just, you know, I understand how things work. So anyway, eight minutes, it'll be really good, and then we'll hang out for a little bit, um, getting to look at beautiful Hampshire Gardens, which if you've never been to, they're amazing, and then we'll do fireworks, baby. So super cool. Uh, doors open, I think, at 6 p.m. tonight. And uh, I'm like 80% Mandel positive. Um, but if Elise said something different, that's what you're going to want to look at. We are in the second week of our series called Why Are There So Many Churches? Last week, we talked about how we have a lot of different states to meet the different geographical, political, social, and cultural needs of America. But we have one constitution that binds us together kind of sort of these days. But anyway, that's what it does, okay? And then we said, in the same way, there's a lot of different churches to meet the different cultural, geographical needs of people just like states. And we have a sort of constitution of faith that binds us together with a set of six basic beliefs that we talked about last week. Fear God, acknowledge death, admit our sin and repent, believe Jesus lived a sinless life, and ask Jesus to forgive us. Number six, trust God's word, the Bible. Those are sort of the six things that essentially are the basics of our faith. But what about the rest? Many of you have questions about this famous preacher or that famous church or that kind of worship and what's the deal. And today in this series, I literally want to answer all of those questions, all of them. And I know it's a tall order. Some of you are like, Pastor, I mean, are we going to be here for six hours? And it's like, no, we won't. But you're going to like this message. I'm going to answer those questions with my favorite analogy that I'm going to give to you. And uh, it's a framework. It's a part of the vocabulary of our church. We use this all the time. I've taught on this many times before. When I, you know, retire from this church someday, I will have taught on it many times, probably 10, 12 more times after this, because it's a framework that really characterizes this entire discussion. And I want our whole church to have this. This is really, really a big, big deal. And to do it, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to lay down the analogy I'm going to make some points and look at the Bible at the same time because I'm a multitasker. And then, as always, I'm going to give you a challenge because I don't just want you to learn. I want you to be transformed. So let's start by laying down the analogy. At our house, we have six Bradford pear trees. Okay, Bradford pear trees have one beautiful bloom that looks really nice. They are, in my opinion, the worst trees on earth. I hate these trees. Hate them. Okay, they bloom for two weeks. Now, that looks nice. It looks like it smells nice. They smell terrible. They smell like wet dog. Like, why, why God, would you do that? It's like, here's this beautiful tree that smells terrible. It's like, you know, a pretty girl's personality sometimes. Like, that ain't, that ain't right. Not always, sometimes. And here's the other thing. Here's the worst part about these trees is people like them because they grow fast. Okay, you plant them, they grow fast. So you build a house, this tree grows really fast. They only last 15 to 25 years, and then they're dead. 
And ours are about 18 years old, um, so they grow fast and big. And here's the problem is their limbs grow so fast that they fall off. They just fall off. The limbs fall off. So I'm out there all the time. And by me, I mean my dad, who co-owns the house with us. Don't worry, he's 71 with a replaced hip and a pacemaker. But anyway, my dad's out there all the time with our corded chainsaw. We have a corded electric chainsaw, I should say. He does, he has it. And the problem is, the cord does not reach some of these trees at the far end of the pond. So he has to saw these things by hand. Bless his heart, I feel bad. Almost makes me want to get up off my rear end and help him. But I, I don't. Hate these trees, they're terrible. Gets me thinking about churches. People all the time ask me, Pastor, what churches are okay? What theologies are okay? And uh, last week we laid down some basics. Uh, we talked about the basics of, you know, church. This week, I want to give you a framework that will allow you to answer all of your questions. And you're going to want to lean into this. Even if you're not a Christian, you're going to want to lean into this. People ask, how come this church does it that way? And this one does it that way? And this YouTube channel says that that song set is bad because of whatever. And why do we sing their songs? And I'm going to literally answer all those questions with an analogy. That's what I do. You know, I love analogies. I think they're helpful to understand the world. This is some vocabulary today that I want you to embrace and learn. It'll be so useful in so many areas of your life, even if you're not a Christian. Very, very helpful. But I think that churches and biblical perspectives can be described as trees. A tree has a few major parts. It has roots, a trunk, limbs and branches, and leaves. Four parts. Four parts. Those on a basic level are the parts of a tree. Now, some of the parts are more critical than others. I think we could all agree that a trunk is a very critical part. Does a trunk have a lot of flexibility in it? No, it doesn't. If you break the trunk of a tree, is a tree going to live? No, it's instantly condemned to die. A tree ain't going to make it, okay? You need the tree. If it breaks, it's big and dramatic, it's over. The limbs of a tree have some more flexibility, but not as much as the branches and leaves. Limbs have some flexibility. If you break off a limb of a tree, a tree's going to be hurt. It might live, but it's going to be hurt. If it's enough branches or a big enough uh, limb, excuse me, a big enough limb, the tree will die, okay? But usually it's not lethal if one of those breaks off. Then the branches and leaves, they have a great deal of flexibility. The wind can blow them about, you know? Some can be over here, some can be over there. It's all okay. And a tree can lose a lot of leaves and, and, and little twigs and branches and still be okay. Then the roots sustain the whole thing. You don't see the roots very much but the roots are critical to the tree living. And if the roots are rotting, if the roots are, you know, strangling trees, sometimes you can have that, the whole tree will die. In the same way, when it comes to Christian theology, there are trunk issues, limb issues, leaf issues, and root issues. I'm gonna talk about root issues at the very end. Some of you think that, well, you should start from the bottom, work your way up. Okay, I am, I'm gonna start from the trunk and work my way up, but then I'm gonna to get to the, to the roots, but that doesn't come till the end because it's my microphone and I'm teaching, okay? Start with trunk issues. Trunk issues are absolutely critical. These are the must-haves for faith. If you don't have a trunk issue in line, your tree's dead. You're not a Christian or it's not a church. Last week, we talked about the six trunk issues of the church. Sinfulness, need for repentance, the authority of the Bible, and so on and so forth, okay? There's probably a few more than six, but these are the basics. And if you compromise with one of these, you're not a Christian and it's not a church. A tree cannot live without a trunk. A church cannot live without its trunk issues in line. Then... They're limb and leaf issues, okay? These are things that are clearly defined as right and wrong in the Bible. The Bible's super clear about limb and leaf issues. If you break, or not limb and leaf, about limb issues, sorry. If you break a limb issue, you're hurting the tree of your faith. It's a big deal. If you break enough limbs, your tree will eventually die. And I often see Christians ruining their faith, not because they had a big deconstructive trunk issue. Oh, they still believe in God, but they broke off all their limbs. 
right? And you break off enough limbs and your faith is going to struggle. I wrote down a few examples that you might find helpful. First one I wrote down is getting drunk. Okay, drinking in moderation, it's okay. Getting drunk is a limb issue. God tells us very clearly in at least half a dozen places in the Bible, don't be drunk with wine because it'll ruin your life. Amen. We all know people. Maybe some of us have ruined our life because of drinking. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Getting drunk is a sin. God calls it a sin because sin hurts us. God doesn't look at all the fun things in life and say, you can't do any of these. That's all called sin. No, he calls sin sin because it hurts us. It might be fun, but it hurts us in the long run. So he says, don't do it. Living together romantically before marriage or being sexual before marriage between a man and a woman. Limb issue. Dozens of times Jesus calls us not to do this. Why? Because sin hurts us and he loves us and he wants us to have a good life. We all know the data, right? I mean, you can look it up. Chat GPT tells us overwhelmingly living together romantically before marriage dramatically increases the chances of divorce, lowers the chances of marital satisfaction and increases the probability that your kids will not be successful. There are so many limb issues that we struggle with. They're clearly defined in the Bible. Substance abuse, lying, gossip, not tithing and giving, not being engaged with God's church, not serving people, being selfish, unforgiveness. They're limb issues. And a tree losing a limb hurts the tree. A tree losing enough limbs can kill the tree. Let me show you a picture of one of our Bradford pear trees, okay? This is one of our trees that has basically lost almost all of its limbs. You can see, like, it used to have 90% more canopy. It's all gone. It just has one little limb. It's ridiculous, you know? And this is the one that's farthest away from our house. My poor dad. Having to drag all those. Feel bad for him. Some of us spiritually, this is us. Do you think that that tree feels very good? No. That's a struggling faith. And this is what a lot of our faith looks like. We keep breaking limbs off. And a lot of people say, well, it's not, no big deal. I can just ask God for forgiveness. You know, afterwards. I'll just ask God for forgiveness and he'll forgive me. And he does. But there's still an earthly consequence, spiritual consequence removed. But the earthly consequence is the trauma and pain of having your limbs broken off, having a tree that's missing a whole bunch of limbs. And it takes time. If you keep ripping off the limbs of your tree, it's going to take a while to grow new bad boys back again. And if you keep ripping them off, you're not going to have a thriving faith. That's limb issues. Then, finally, there are leaf issues. Leaf issues are flexible. Paul addresses some leaf issues for the early church, and I want you to see this because it's a great example. In 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, it says, So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Back in the day, you could get meat at a discounted price if it had been used in a pagan worship deal. And um, it was cheaper, okay? It was cheaper. My wife and I, when we first got married, we were super poor. I mean, we had no money. So we shopped at Mike's Discount Grocery. You literally had to sign a waiver before you bought their food. And there was a reason. Like, we got sick sometimes from buying some of their meat. You know, you'd smell it and be like, it's all we have, you know? So anyway... Um, so what about eating meat that's been offered to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really God, and so there's only one God, so basically you can do it. Doesn't matter. Some people think that Paul was Jewish. I actually think he was Dutch, because look at that. He's like, it's a good deal, guys. Just go for it. <laughs> Some Christians felt bad about it. Others didn't. Paul says, look, it's fine. If you want to eat, it's fine. However, not all believers know this, he says. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real, so when they eat food that's been offered to idols, they think of it is the worship of real gods. They say we can't do that. And their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it. You don't lose anything if you don't. You don't gain anything if we do. But you must be careful so that your freedom doesn't cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. What's he describing? Leaf issues. For some, wind blows the tree over here. For others, over there. It's a leaf issue. Kristen and I, we don't drink alcohol. Um, because of our weakness. 
right? We both have addictive personalities. We understand that. She has a lot of trauma in her childhood because of her own alcohol abuse and then also because of um, some people in her family's alcohol abuse. So she doesn't do it. Even though we're allowed to drink in moderation, and that's fine, as long as you don't get drunk, you can drink in moderation. Um, Kristen and I don't do it because it's a leaf issue for us. Does it make us more right with God? No. Does it make us holier than other people? No, it's just a personal conviction. How about this one? This is a leaf issue. Reading Harry Potter books, Narnia books, Lord of the Rings. For some, it's a serious issue. Perhaps because of a background that you have and you've experienced some demonic stuff and there's some trauma or whatever in your life. That's fine. Don't read them. I have read them and I've loved most of them, except for Lord of the Rings, which is terrible. I just don't understand what is happening. Some of you guys are like, I'm never coming back, J.R. Tolkien. And I mean, he's, it's a leaf issue. You can do it if you want. I just, I, you know, whatever. Anyway, how about this one? Movies and screen time. Kristen and I have some personal convictions about that, right? We don't have a TV, we don't have Netflix, we don't have Disney Plus, none of that stuff, you know? And we don't do that because of personal convictions. Does it make us holier than other people? No, just a personal leaf issue. I mean, I would say within that, you know, there are some things you can watch that are, you know, that is, that's wrong. But in general, for a lot of us, it's leaf issues. It's trunk, limb, and leaf issues. Now, I've laid down the foundation to this message. And I hope it's helpful for you. I think it's a critical framework to understand. But the whole reason I did this, Sawyer, is because I wanted to make two points. Sawyer and I are good friends. I had Sawyer back in youth group. Great friend of mine. Love Sawyer. Getting married really soon. Very excited for him. But um, anyway, uh, we talked about this. You remember this in youth group? We talked about these two points that I'm about to make. He already knows. So you, you really, you should pay attention, but you could zone out. But anyway, um, for the rest of you, though, you don't know. These two are secret, and these are really mad. They really, really are important. And I don't want you to miss out on this. I wanna make these two points. The first one is don't turn limb and leaf issues into trunk issues. Don't do that. And this is where you take a leaf issue and you turn it into a trunk issue. And it's a big problem. I'll explain why in a minute. But I was raised sort of in this Baptist, Reformed Baptist culture. And um, Baptists love to do this, love with a capital L to turn leaf issues into trunk issues. And their favorite one to do it with is alcohol. And um, I've had Baptist bad boys come to me and literally say this, you know, Southern Baptist bad boys. They say, Pastor, I've broken all 10 commandments, but I've never drunk the devil's juice. Just so you know, that's Baptist for alcohol. Devil's juice is alcohol. And I'm like, bro, you committed adultery and you have murdered somebody, but you've never drunk alcohol? Like those priorities are messed up. You need to relax, man. Maybe you do need a drink to like tone it back. Just kidding. That's just kidding. Very offended when I said that. I didn't actually say that, but for real, what's he doing? He's turning a leaf issue into a trunk issue. Jesus was constantly battling this. Matthew 12, verse one, it says that about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grain and eating them. The Sabbath was a day of rest. Now, you're not supposed to harvest on the Sabbath. Are they harvesting? Eh, I don't really think so. They're just eating. But some Pharisees saw them do it and they protested, look, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting on the Shabbat. It's a problem. God said to rest one day a week. This was revolutionary. For most of human history, humans would work seven days a week. But God said, no, no, no. Work six, rest one. On our church staff, we work six days. We take Saturdays off. We have one day a week off. It's wonderful. It's glorious. We love it, right? And this is revolutionary. Learning to trust God, saying, I believe that I will do more in my six than others can do with my seven. Because... I'm trusting you with this and it's the way you made us, right? Same thing with tithing. You know, you give God the first 10th and you trust that with the 90, you can do more than you could have done with the 100. It's just the way it works. The Jewish church though, 
They heard God say, keep the Sabbath holy. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does that mean? And they made a bunch of little inane laws. Like on the Sabbath, you can drag a chair across the floor if you want to rearrange your furniture, but you can't pick it up because that would be working. You can eat pistachios on the Sabbath, but they better be pre-shelled because if you open up those shells, that's harvesting and that's wrong. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically talk about that, but they made this rule. And that specific rule was the rule that was being violated by the disciples. And what they were doing was they were turning a leaf issue into a trunk issue. And Jesus is like, hey, you guys, you're turning a uh, leaf issue into a trunk issue. Problem. Over and over again, whether it was healing on the Sabbath or eating with tax collectors, Jesus was continually telling people, don't do this. Don't turn a limb or leaf issue into a trunk issue. It's going to make your life miserable. And guess what? This is why they crucified Jesus. This right here is why people turning leaf issues into trunk issues. Christians would crucify Jesus today, I think, because we get caught up in the same problem. And here's why, here's why, here's why. This is not a Christian problem. This is a human problem. Humans do this all the time. Non-Christian humans. I mean, how often, how often, how often have you seen Democrats or Republicans, Fox News or CNN say, so-and-so is destroying our democracy. Sometimes, maybe people are. But a lot of times it's like, eh, it's not really that big a deal. But what we love doing, we thrive off of pretending that everything is a crisis. We do this in marriage, okay? This is a big deal in marriage. My wife, my wife does this all the time, okay? When we first got married, this is a big deal. This is a big deal, okay? This is, I have permission to do this. Otherwise, I would be in trouble. We would have a trunk issue in our marriage. But anyway, my wife used to lose her mind if I left dirty clothes besides the bed. And it's like, listen, Kristen, you don't understand. We don't need to wash the pants after I wear them one time. There are many phases of dirty, okay? And I don't want to wear them out. I like to wear them good two, three, four, five, six times, but I can't wear the same pants for six days in a row. So I like to cycle through maybe three pair. I leave them by there. And then I wash them all at once once we're through the cycle, okay? And this is how it works. And she could not handle it. She said, this is a quote, and I wrote this down, and I quote, and I don't want to get this wrong. She said she felt unloved, unseen, and alone. Because I left partially dirty pants beside the bed. I was like, really? Really? You feel unloved, unseen, and alone? Like our marriage is struggling. Like the trunk of our marriage is in trouble because I'm leaving three sets of pants besides the bed. That's turning a leaf issue and a trunk issue. But guess what? I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing in our marriage with different things, but the same thing. I turn leaf issues into trunk issues. My big thing is Kristen being late. We have four kids. We can get all the kids in it. This is what I say. I tell the family, you know, I'm a good leader. I tell the family, we need wheels rolling by 5.30. Everybody in the car, wheels rolling by 5.30. All four of my kids in the car, strapped in, ready to go. Guess who's not there? Kristen! Right? And I'm sitting here, and this is what I say. This is what I say. Some of you guys said this. I say, I just can't. I just can't with you being late anymore. You just can't what, John? Those are pretty strong words. I mean, it's a dangerous statement in a marriage. That's turning a leaf issue into a trunk issue. And both of us do this all the time. It's so easy. I mean, this is part of our nature to take a small deal and make it a big deal. We do this in workplaces. I used to do counseling. I don't really anymore. But I would have people all the time say, my boss, my workplace is toxic. It's toxic. And sometimes they were. But sometimes they weren't. I'd say, why? Why is it toxic? My boss is the worst. True story. The other day, my boss asked me to be in work on time. He just can't see that I have a tough time getting up in the morning. You see, I have a clan that I'm a part of for Fortnite. And I have to stay up late to play or I'll be letting them down. And my boss made me feel bad for my community. That's toxic. And I was like, you're turning a leaf issue 
into a trunk issue. That's what that is. Leaf issue and a trunk issue. And this mistake is so destructive. It makes you miserable is what it does. When you live a life, you ever know anybody? I mean, everything is dramatic. Everything is the end of the world. Everything. And we just have this tendency to take leaf issues in life and turn them into trunk issues. And when you do this, you'll be alone. That's what happens. It ends relationships with people, with churches, with spouses, with workplaces, and with God. That's what it does. And the end result of turning leaf issues into trunk issues, I think, is anxiety. Everything's the end of the world all the time. I can't. This is going to. We live in the richest country in human history during the most prosperous time in human history, the safest, most peaceful time in human history. And so many of us feel anxious and terrible. Why? Because we're turning leaf issues into trunk issues. It's a miserable way to live. We're turning personal preferences into ultimatums, relationship ending ultimatums. It's anxiety filled and it's lonely. It's lonely. It's a lonely way to live. Now, here's the thing YouTube theologians. Love to turn things into trunk issues. Why? Because it, get, it gets clicks. It gets money. They make money. It gets attention. The other day, I saw a YouTube theologian prognosticating about an Elevation Church album that was released that had a horror of horrors, non-Christian song at the end of it. It's like a dance song at the end of it. And they said, they're heretics. They're heretics. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are they cursing God's name in that song? No. Are they committing a theological heresy within the song? No. So maybe they're not heretics. Maybe you just don't like that they did that. And that's a leaf issue. And that's fine. If you don't like meat sacrifice to idols, don't buy the meat sacrifice to idols. If you don't like the album, don't buy the album. Guess what? I, John Hill, don't like that they did that. I know it's a leaf issue, but I didn't buy the album. That's fine. It's fine. Imagine a tree with just a trunk, but no leaves, no limbs. That's a lot of Christians. And it's not functional. It's not living. It's just legalism. And you have this faith that isn't really a tree of life. It's just a trunk. It's just a trunk. And you come to it and it's like, there's no fruit from this. Yeah, because you don't have any limbs or leaves. You just, have, you just have a trunk. And this is what Jesus constantly fought against. And I think Christian religion and human nature in general has this huge vulnerability to turn leaf issues into trunk issues. Arguing about little things all the time. Baptism by submersion versus sprinkling. Arguing about what fluid to use for communion. 5W30 or 10W. No, just kidding. Grape juice versus wine. You know what food are we Okay. Uh, Gluten-free crackers versus whole grain. You do not want to offend somebody who's gluten intolerant. They are very intolerant. Okay. Or verse by verse preaching versus topical. All these different things. This is a temptation, particularly for new Christians. I mean, you want to do it right. And it feels good. To say, this is a trunk issue, and I'm good, and you're bad. And we get wrapped up in this all the time. And we take God's word out of context. Because rather than going through the trouble of learning the full context of God's word, we take this one person's word for it because it makes us feel good. We condemn other people, and that's where we're at. And we end up arguing about guitars on stage at church, about parent age versus young earth creation, about frequency of communion, about Santa Claus, about music style, about programs, about counseling availability. Don't, ouch, that hurt. That was harder than I thought it would be. I'm going to be very self-conscious about the red mark I just put on my forehead. I can't do it fast enough, okay? All right. Don't turn leaf issues into trunk issues. The next big problem, sorry, I know you know what this one's going to be, okay? You know, you know where I'm going with this. You've heard this in youth group, but next big problem is don't turn trunk issues into leaf issues. It's the opposite. You know, it used to be this one wasn't as important. I mean, the other one was really the big one, legalism. I think today this is the most relevant one for the church. I mean, this is a big, big deal. This should be personally convicting to us. And I think this is what Satan was dealing with when he was tempting Jesus. This big issue right here. It says in Matthew 4, verse 8, next the devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain 
And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. Sometimes you read that, you just think, wow, all the kingdoms of the earth worshiping God. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if you just worship the devil? Jesus said, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. The devil's basically saying, hey, I'm going to do all these really good things. I'll make the church look good to the world. I'll make your name great. If you just break this little trunk issue and worship me, a false god. And I think this is the temptation of churches in the modern era, isn't it? You just bow down to this false flag, this agenda, this message. You just affirm the correct things. All you have to do is just these little letters and the whole world will accept you. You'll be loved. All you gotta do is worship the devil and the world will love you. And it sounds kind of good, doesn't it? I mean, it's tempting. Imagine how much good could happen if we, just, if we just do this one not so bad thing. But have you ever wondered, I as a kid wondered this all the time, but have you ever wondered what would happen if Jesus did bow down to Satan? Have you ever wondered, I mean, if he just did, I mean, because think the whole world, I think the devil would have betrayed him. I think the devil would have said, no, 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 that's not enough. I just want a little bit more and a little bit more. We're just going to add another letter, another initial, another thing. Now I just want your kids. Now I just want to corrupt your kids. Now I want to mutilate your kids. And that's all I'm going to do. I'm just asking for a little more. I'm just going to take. And this is the temptation of the church today. Just compromise in these areas and the devil will give the world to you. The whole world. But, and here's the thing, and I want you to get this. The devil never does. It's never enough. And you don't have to be a Christian to see it. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you, okay? Think about the cities of the world that have done this. Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Chicago, Portland. There's no sin that's possible. You just do whatever you want. We're going to live in complete lawlessness. No crime is real. If you want to do drugs, we'll give you the clean needles. You go ahead and shoot up that heroin. It's fine. You steal from that store. We won't prosecute you. We'll just let you right back out same day, in, out, whatever it is. It's all good. Anything you want, you can, you can do it. Poop on the street? Absolutely. And instead of being free and happy, these cities have genuinely turned into lawless hellscapes with people fleeing, refugees, moving out as quickly as possible. I mean, how many Illinois plates do we see outside of our BMV? It's like, wow! I mean, you're running. And where are people going to? Florida, Texas, Indiana. They're fleeing to places that have a Christian ethic. So we have in common a Christian ethic. I don't even think it's political. It's just the teachings of Jesus. We don't want to turn leaf issues into trunk issues, but it's just as destructive to turn trunk issues into leaf issues. So how do you keep everything right? How do you keep things where they say, well, pastor, I mean, I don't want to turn a trunk issue into a leaf issue. I don't want to turn a leaf issue into a trunk issue. I just don't know. How do you tell the difference? And that's what a lot of us are asking. And it's a good question. It's a really good question. And I have an answer. Some of you who are astute and have a memory which I'm telling you what, the warranty runs out at 40. Like I'm having trouble with my memory. But uh, I'll tell you, there's one more part that I want to talk about and it's root issues. The roots are so important. That's what feeds the tree. The roots are how you stay connected to Jesus. When you give your life to Christ, everything changes. You get baptized. The old is gone. The new is here. You're a new creation in Christ, right? That's what they say in Australia. But there's more to it. It's not just that moment. You have to put down roots. And if you haven't put down roots, you can go through all of those rituals, but the tree won't last. And the roots are three things. You need three roots, all working together, all together, or the tree will suffer. It's God's church, God's people, and God's word. Those three things, working together to sustain the tree. The church is the gathering on Sunday. 
God's people, it's a relationship with God's people through life group, through community, building connection with other godly people and then God's word. Working together to sustain the tree. You need all three working together. If you're missing one, even one, your tree is going to struggle and wilt. You need all three roots. Even if your trunk and limbs and leaves all look good, if you're missing one of the roots, the tree is gonna wilt. People who turn leaf issues into trunk issues, like those prognosticators on YouTube, they basically hate, I don't know if you noticed this, like they hate on every church. Just that one's bad and that one's bad and they're all bad and everybody's bad, right? They're connected to God's word, but they're missing two of the roots, God's people and God's church. And they don't have a faith that's thriving. You don't see it. They're not producing life. And their tree of faith is suffering. I would say a similar thing is happening for churches who turn trunk issues into leaf issues. They've got God's people. They've got God's church, but they're not connected to God's word. And their tree of faith is wilting as well. And here's a problem is I see so many people who have had a thriving faith. They have had a thriving generation after generation faith. But now they make it to church once a month, twice a month, three times a month. They rarely read their Bibles. They don't go to life groups. They don't tithe. They just don't get involved in the life of the church and God's people. And what happens is their faith starts to wither and rot and die. And at first you don't see it, but slowly over time, you just see this wilting tree of faith, this wilting, dying legacy of faith. And you know, above ground at first, everything looks okay. It's not like they're deconstructing. It's not that they ever stopped believing. They just disconnect from the roots and they wither. And you look back 10 years ago and you wonder, why is my faith so faded? So faded, so faded. You know, and when you were young, you were on fire for the Lord. You love the Lord. But as your kids grow and you grow, you're both kind of meh about God. And you're like, how did this happen? I mean, you prayed for this child. You dedicated this child to the Lord and you were gonna raise him and so much was gonna happen. And your kids, I mean, you don't even know where they're at. But to be honest, you don't even know where you're at. It's not a decision that you ever made. It was just a slow withering. And it's because of the roots. You thought you could just miss a little bit of God's word, God's people, and God's church. For what? For vacations, for sports, for sleeping in, for summer, for the lake. But over time, your tree withers. Jesus says it this way in John 15, 5. Yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For our analogy, we're calling the vine the root. And when we disconnect from the root, we wither, we wither. When I was dating Kristen, I remember just telling her, hey, um, I want to set a standard ahead of time. You know, before we get deep into a relationship, I just want to paint a picture of what my family's going to look like. And if, you know, if, if you like this, then great. If you don't like this, then guess what? We're done. Like this is, this is a non-negotiable, but this is a standard that we have as a family. I envision us being in church 50 Sundays a year and in our church, whatever our home church is gonna be, whether we're in ministry or out of ministry, 48 Sundays a year. That's our non-negotiable standard. That's it, that's what I want. We're connected to life group. We're doing devotionals together. This is who we are. I wanted to put roots in the ground for our family ahead of time because I knew that, you know, you get into the temptation, you get into the deal. You've got an athletic kid that loves it. You know, one of my kids, super athletic. The other, meh, no, just kidding. Um, they're all fine. But, you know, it's tempting, isn't it? It's tempting to do these things, get all these options and opportunities. Summer goes so fast. Childhood goes so fast. The other day we were on vacation and uh, we're probably going to make it to church 51 Sundays this year. And I was like, hey, you know, I mean, we can, we can skip this Sunday. And Christian was like, over my dead body, let's go to church. And so we went in Minnesota and we had an awesome time. It was the highlight of our trip. It was life-giving. I'm still thinking about the message. Some of you want to know where. I'm not telling you where because I don't want you to go to them. I, mean, uh, I want you to love this church. This church. 
Pastor, why can't you preach like that guy? Listen, it was so life-giving. It was a wonderful experience. And this is what we do. And it's not just for our kids. It's for me. It's for my faith. So as we close, I want to ask you, this is an important question. And I want you to zoom in on this question. I really want you to think about it because like I said, I don't just want you to come to church to learn. I want you to be transformed. I want you to visualize in your mind's eye, what does your tree of faith look like? The roots, the limbs, the trunk, and the leaves. What does it look like? What does it look like? Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, as I wrote this message, I began visualizing, first off, the fruit of our church. Is our church producing fruit? I mean, are we a place where no one's perfect and everyone's welcome? How are we doing balancing, you know, trunk, leaf, and limb issues? Are we a fountain of life for our community? If our church disappeared tomorrow, would our community even care? Are we making disciples of Jesus? Are we calling people to repentance and are people heeding that call? People becoming a generation after generation family of faith or fully devoted followers of Jesus? What about, what about us as individuals? What does your tree for your family, for your life, for your faith look like? I just think so many of us, we just, oh yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. I want you to actually visualize it because you can't address the problem unless you admit there's a problem. I think for some, we're just going through the motions, you know, rearranging the deck furniture on the Titanic. Whatever, it's fine. As our faith withers, like I want us to actually visualize it. Do your kids have a steadfast, wholehearted faith because of your faithfulness? Here's the thing, parents don't understand this. Kids don't follow Jesus because of their parents' faith. That's not what makes a generational, generational legacy. It's their parents' faithfulness. It's faithfulness that creates faith in children. You have to connect the roots in your house and your family to God's people, God's church, and God's word. It's faithfulness. It's not just I believe. It's an act. It's an action. It's your time, treasure, and talent being used to create a tree of life for future generations. When you look at the tree of faith in your family, will your children's children love Jesus? I've got a last question I want to ask, but I know for some of you, it's like, oh, I hope my wife's writing all these down. I kind of already forgot what he said and whatever else. And this one I really want us to meditate on. And I know it's a little bit different, but um, as I wrap this up online at Hebron, at the jail, and Demont Wheatfield, I want to ask us just to bow our heads and close our eyes in a moment of privacy and concentration. And I want you to just <clears throat> meditate on your tree of faith. What does it look like? What does a trunk look like? Based on your life, what are the limbs look like? What do the leaves look like? What does a fruit look, look like? Is your tree a fountain of life for your family, for your spouse, for your children, for their children? I want you to visualize standing before God, showing him your life. Be proud of it. Are your roots planted firmly in God's people, God's church, and God's word? If it's not, if your trunk ain't right, if your leaves aren't right, if your limbs aren't right, if your roots are not right, I want you to just, in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud, but in your heart, I want you to admit it right now. Like actually think about it and make a decision. Yes, not, not right. Can't fix the problem unless we admit it. If there's a part of your tree that's not healthy, I just invite you to humbly ask Jesus to repair it. 
The only one who can repair the trunk is Jesus. If you got a broken trunk right now, you mean business with Jesus, you can, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sins and lead my life. Repair my trunk as only you can. If your limbs are broken, you need to turn from your sin, structurally change your life. Jesus, I repent for sinning against you and your word and my family and the community. Would you forgive me? I choose to leave that life behind. Restore me, Lord. If your roots are not connected to Jesus, today's a day you reconnect. Perhaps you can pray this with me, Lord Jesus. I choose, I resolve today to connect my family to your church, to your people and your word. You are life. You can pray with me, Lord God, I just thank you for your grace and mercy, your word, your compassion, your love, your purpose that you give to us. God, as we look at a broken, hurting, messed up world that turns trunk issues into leaf issues and leaf issues into trunk issues, God, would you give us a clear vision for the best life as we root our families in your word? Would you restore brokenness? Would you restore us from, from hate to love, from unforgiveness to forgiveness, from anxiety to peace because we're connected to your word, God? Would you do that in our hearts? Would you create today in our community a culture of faithfulness generation after generation because of families connected to your word? Would you restore us from chaos to order because of your word reigning in our life? I ask these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen and amen. Please stand as we sing this last song together.